0: Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your
1: audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yes. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer here at the IQ, and this week, we have a very good show planned for you guys. We're going to be talking to one of my PR friends from a very large emerging tech company. Kobe Hornick is here from TCL, and we're going to be talking about creators working with brands, and we're going to get it from a PR perspective since Kobe is a PR person or he was a PR person. Sometimes creators think we know everything as it relates to things that we need to do to work with brands what information to include in emails, uh, how to go about it, different things like that. But sometimes I think some of our creators miss the mark with this stuff. We feel like we're doing things the right way when in actuality, we're really not. So I wanted to bring Kobe on the podcast today to get it from a PR person's perspective. Like, What are some things that PR people see that creators are doing right and doing wrong and different things like that? What do PR people look for when they're working with creators? Can they spot when creators are potentially buying stuff and view counts and different things like that? We get into all the weeds this week on the podcast, but I think one of the big things that we're going to be able to take away from this podcast today is that as creators, when we do want to work with brands and reach out to different PR people, we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan in place that makes us more desirable for these PR people because you have to realize there are tons of creators out there who are contacting PR people and brands on a daily basis, trying to get the attention of the brands. And if you don't find a way to stand out from the sea of other creators, you're probably going to get put in the trash or ignored or just not contacted, different things like that. There are definitely things that we as creators can do to set ourselves apart from other creators out there trying to get in contact with these brands. And some of that stuff, again, we'll cover with Kobe here in the podcast in a few minutes. But creators, you got to have a plan. You just can't send out a cold email. You just can't say, hello, what's up? How are you? This, that, and the other. You have to have a very well thought out plan for trying to reach out to work with PR people and brands. Think about it as you would think about it if somebody were trying to contact you to work with you as a creator. Like, I don't know about y'all, but when I get email from brands wanting me to do something for them or work with them, there are things that I need in that initial email. Otherwise, I'm putting it in the trash. Firstly. I need to know what it is that you want me to talk about or want me to review different things like that. Anytime a brand emails your boy Viper and they're like, you can Google us or search us on YouTube, I'm automatically putting that email in the trash. I should not have to go out of my way to do work, to do research about what it is you want me to do for you and about your company, different things like that. That is information that should be in that initial reach out email. If I have to do any scintilla of actual work before I come up with a reason to work with you or not work with you, I'm probably not going to work with you because you don't value my time as a creator if your initial email doesn't give me much to go on. And if I feel that way as a creator, I can only imagine how brands and PR people feel when creators reach out half-baked to them like that. They're putting your stuff in the trash because you did not do them the service of giving them the relevant information that they need to make an initial decision or whether or not to pursue a working relationship with you as a creator. I tell you guys all the time, sometimes you have to step back and look at things from a bigger picture. You have to step into other people's shoes to see how they would view a situation or how they will respond if the shoe was on the other foot, et cetera, et cetera. You got to be able to see things from other perspectives if you want to be a successful creator. And a lot of that has to do with how you communicate with PR people, with the brands and different things like that. Also, you have to provide value. Now, this is something that we talk about a lot with vidIQ as far as reaching out to brands and working with PR people. You got to have some type of value proposition. Why should this brand work with you? What are you going to do that other creators potentially won't be able to do? What value can you bring that brand? Because at the end of the day, it's all about value on both sides. What value the brand can bring for you and what value you can bring to the brand. Because if there is no value involved, then why are we even having this conversation? Why are we wasting time if both parties can't mutually benefit from the relationship? There's no point. So besides having a plan creator, make sure you have a value proposition that is very enticing to whoever it is that you're trying to reach out to. Why? Anytime we do something in the creative space, you better ask yourself, why? Why should someone watch your video? Why should such and such brand work with you? Why should they take the time to read your email? Why should they take you seriously? And before I bring Kobe in here in a moment, I just want to highlight one nugget that he talked about in the podcast, and that is your email creator. I know a lot of us use Gmail because it's easy and free and different things like that. I get that. But if you want to get in this creator economy for the long haul and you're trying to build a business, it might behoove you to get your own domain so your email can look a little bit more professional than a creator who's coming from a gmail.com. When I email a brand, I am normally emailing a brand from my business email, which is business at viper.com. It's not viper at gmail.com or anything at gmail. I have my own domain that I reach out to when I'm shooting out these emails because I know that makes me look a little bit more professional and a PR person or brand might be more likely to take me seriously because they know I have my own domain. Yes, it costs money, but sometimes you got to spend money to make money. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. Sometimes you have to spend money to make money. So think about that. Do with that information what you will. And let me bring in my man, Kobe Hornick, into the podcast. (laughs) So welcome back to Tube Talk presented by VidIQ and this week we have my friend Kobe Hornick on the podcast. What's up, Kobe? How you doing man? What's up man, doing good. So for those who don't know, let them know who you are and what you do and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, so my name's Kobe. I do some communication stuff in the consumer electronics field. So working with influencers, working with, you know, social media gurus, tech folks, all that the whole nine yards, traditional press, all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, so you just mentioned influencers. Uh, I like to use the word creators and different things like that, but it's all the same thing as it relates to what we're talking about today. So how do creators, influencers factor into what you do? Yeah,
0: there's no good word to describe what you guys do, right? Because it's part content creator, it's part producer, it's part like copywriter. You guys do it all. (laughs) They're super important, man. I mean... Just in the past few years with the shift in social media and like instant gratification, instant information, sometimes it takes traditional media a little bit of time to turn things around versus like you guys who you are a lot more independent, you do kind of whatever you want. You have different niche audiences you reach different folks so it's it's kind of like tapping into a whole different audience as important as mainstream media still is and as important as is to still get those placements it's people like you who really drive the conversation really drive the engagement a little bit more so than like traditional press interesting you know hard to interact with an article at the end of the day
1: (laughs) right right so you just said some influencers they have like niche audiences that you guys can tap into now from the brand side from the side that you're on when you are targeting different influencers to work with, do you target them based on the fact that they have like that particular audience? Or do you guys normally go for like the influencer with the biggest following? Like how do you handle that exactly?
0: It really kind of boils down to like the, the type of campaign that you're running and ultimately the results that you want. If we're driving an awareness campaign and we just want as many eyes on this as possible, then yeah, you want to tap into as many people as you can with the, the largest audience as you can. Say for maybe just trying to really push like a particular deal, or if we have like a great bundle, and then that would obviously work maybe better for some smaller creators with better affiliate links, a little bit better engagement, a little bit more trusted audiences. So it really depends on the overall goal of the campaign. I would say that's the first part. There's been campaigns where we don't necessarily want to sell products. Um, There's been campaigns where we take losses on like monetary losses when we sell products. So in those regards, we don't want you guys to have high click through rates. We don't want you guys to have high sell through rates. We want just mostly impressions and high watch time. So it, it kind of teeter totters back and forth
1: sometimes. Let's talk about that a little bit more because a few months ago I had Justin Moore on here and he's a brand strategist and he did for connecting with brands and different things like that. And he talked about the different campaigns that a brand might want a creator to undergo. So usually there's the conversion where you guys are typically trying to sell something and then you want the creator to convert to sell as many as they can. Then therefore you were just alluding to the more uh, awareness campaign. We just want to get eyes in front of the product. And then I think there are one more type of campaign that you guys sometimes go after, but I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: There's so many. I mean, it just depends on what your goal is, right?
1: Yeah, so I guess my question is, in what situation would arrive that would help you determine which campaign that you're going after for when you reach out to the creator? That
0: kind of stuff happens like really behind the scenes. Like when we're when we're in like the pit in the war and really trying to figure out what we're trying to do, what product we're trying to promote, how we're trying to promote it. That's usually when the strategy comes in, working with the, the greater marketing team, uh, working with digital marketing. And for brands, we have like an internal list of boxes that we need to check. And we have like certain key performance indicators that we need to hit. It's really a lot of planning goes into it. Like on the back end, it just seems like on YouTube, it's like, oh, brands just send products out to all these creators and y'all just get it for free and you're shills and you just say good things about us. It's like, you and I both know that's the end result of countless hours of hard work and planning and strategy. So going into it, we we usually have an idea. Then we have like, you know, the list of people that we want to hit, you know, your tier one folks. And that doesn't mean tier one isn't like the biggest, that means tier one is in who are the most, who are the people we really want for the campaign. And then if those people don't really fit or if they are too busy, then you start going down to tier two or tier three or wherever.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I always find it fascinating because a lot of creators, I think they have the misconception that they have to have this extraordinary subscriber account or follower account to work with brands. And you just highlighted that that's not necessarily the case. It really just depends on... It's a vanity number. Yeah, yeah, it's a vanity number. It really just depends on what the brand is trying to accomplish for that particular campaign. So glad you brought that up.
0: This is like no shots intended, but there's plenty of people out there with really high numbers. And I can tell you that 90% of them are all bots. Oh, 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 shot fired on the podcast. Like if you're a new creator listening to this and they're like, oh, I'm going to boost up my subscriber
1: number by buying a few followers. don't. we know. It's very easy to tell. I wanted to ask you about that, so I'm glad that you leaned into that. That was a perfect segue. So as a brand, do you have like tools in place that you use to try to discover when the creators are buying bots or, or, or followers or things like that? Or you, do you just look at it with your eye and be like, all right, these numbers don't add up? It's threefold.
0: There's like free websites that you can use that kind of track uh, YouTubers, subscribers and followers and all that kind of stuff month in, month out. You can see if really weird spikes and really weird dips that'll raise some flags. You can do some eyeball tests. You can kind of see where maybe numbers don't add up, where you can see a lot of bots in the comment, some weird yellow and red flags. And then there's the third one, which is we can talk to you guys. We have some trusted content creators that we can reach out to and be like, hey, have you heard of A, B, and C? We feel it's a little fishy. What do you think? And nine times out of 10, they're going to be truthful and honest. And if it is fishy, they'll tell us because fishy creators are bad for you guys or as bad as they are for us.
1: Mm, mm, Interesting. So, you said that you actually reach out to other creators if you have questions about a particular creator you want to work with. You're doing some checking around about that creator through other creators. Okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, same way that, like, if you guys want to work with different brands, I'm sure you reach out to people who've worked with them before, kind of get a feeling. What's that contact like? Do you like working with them? Are they going to try and rip my video apart and give me a script that I have to read? You know? All the red flags that you guys try to avoid, we try to do the same thing do our homework.
1: Absolutely, because nobody wants to get burned in this process. And we know that there have been many times where both creator and brand have both been burned in this particular process. So everybody wants to get it right. And you don't want to get burned at all. No, no. Getting burned is not good for anybody. And it's not fun, man. Getting burned sucks. So you kind of leaned into my next question, but I'll ask it anyway, just need if you have any more to add to it. But <laughs> clearly you vet the creators that you choose to work with or that you're thinking about working with. Obviously, you know if they're faking followers and stuff. You ask their peer creators about their work or their integrity, different things like that. How else do you go about vetting the creators that you might be considering working with? Oh, dude, that Twitter advanced search reveals all.
0: Mm, mm. That, that Twitter advanced search mm. reveals all. Any, any type of red flags. I mean, we're in, a, we're in a pretty hypersensitive environment right now with the general public. So if we're doing a deep dive on you and you're popping off and saying some pretty gnarly stuff. And I don't mean like, you know, everybody's got political opinions. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, middle. I don't really care in that regard. But if we're dropping some racist or We're saying some really awful things. And, <laughs> and you'd be surprised how many people don't realize that they have old tweets that are very, very easy to find. That advanced
1: search is very thorough. Yeah. And the thing that we've seen lately and people getting in trouble for tweets that they tweeted five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Years no ago. No tweet can't come back to bite you mm-hmm. if it comes to it. So you got to be careful with that stuff. Definitely. A hundred percent. Anything you uh, you post on the internet, it'll find you. The internet is undefeated, as we both know. <laughs> <For real. laughs> no, yeah, dude. I
0: mean, dude, the internet comes from everybody. Everybody. No matter who you are, at some point, the internet's going to come knocking on your door.
1: OK, so I want to get a little bit more into the red flags that you look for when you are trying to consider a creator to work with. Like when you talked about the Twitter history, you talked about the debodding and different things like that. What other red flags do you look for as it relates to whether or not you're going to work with a particular creator?
0: Uh, from there, it really boils down to are we a good fit for each other? And this is where it gets very, very complicated because there's some great creators out there who have great audiences who are like great friends of mine, but they're not necessarily the right fit for for me, for my brand and for what I'm trying to promote. Say, for instance, if you're somebody who's really in love with like OSA, right? Like you're just an OSA kind of dude or dude being the gender neutral term. And that's that's your bread and butter. And that's what you love. Well, for an OSB kind of company, I'm not going to send you a product because I'm already kind of striking out right there. You know, like that's already setting myself up for a little bit of a negative review, a little bit of a negative impression, just because I know that you personally don't like something and your audience is coming to you for the exact opposite. So unless we have some like real winner or like some real crazy shootout where we can go like toe to toe and really kind of try to punch through that wall, which is incredibly difficult for audiences and creators and brands to do, sometimes it's just not a good fit. Like El Jefe, right? Headphone guy, knows everything about headphones. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best display person ever. Maybe you go to Andrew Edwards for that just because Andrew focuses a little bit more on displays versus like Jefe who's doing like the headphones. But if I have headphones, I'd be pretty silly then to go after someone who doesn't review headphones, you know? Right. And then ignore LFA on board at work. Like, how do you ignore the two headphone guys when you have headphones? <laughs> which we see that a lot, too. We see um, some brands really act on the uh, B word a lot, the blacklist, which uh, I don't agree with. I don't agree should exist, but there's plenty of people out there who who operate that way. And they don't like sending, you know, review kits out to creators. They don't like keeping you guys on news list because they're like, oh, they said something bad about me once. <laughs>
1: Okay, I want to talk about that, but before we go move on to that, you mentioned OSA and OFB. For those who don't know, what do those terms mean exactly?
0: Well, I just mean like, all right, so in TVs, you got like, you have Tizen, you have WebOS, you have Roku, you have Android, in phones, you have- Oh, you
1: meant OS. Uh, Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, say for instance, you're the man about tech, you're the captain of Team Apple. Are you the best person to be pitching Android stuff to, respectfully? (laughs) Maybe not.
1: Maybe (laughs) not. You're the captain of Team Apple. (laughs) Hey, no, I cover all the tech. I find the man about you, tech, but I got you, though. I got you. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're 100%
0: right. You are the man about tech. But at the same time, you have that like that really solid niche audience in Apple. And if I serve you up an Android thing that isn't 100% perfect, then your audience is just going to cannibalize the ever-living heck out of me. <laughs> They're just going to eat me alive in those comments.
1: Yeah, the people out there can be pretty uh, brutal for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's that whole fallacy of all news is good news. Is- so let's get into that because some creators, they have this thought process that they absolutely have to say only positive things about a brand. Otherwise, the brand won't work with them no more. What are your thoughts about that with your particular brand and, and the brands that you may work with in the past?
0: I think you could ask some creators that we've worked with in the past how we feel. But the way I operate is I only ask for two things. I ask for fairness and I ask for honesty. Mm. That's it. I want you to be fair, like I want you to highlight the things we do well. and In fairness, you need to highlight things maybe we don't do well, maybe the areas we need to improve, and then be accurate and be truthful. That's it. That's all I really ask for. We're pretty hands-off. We believe in doing it the right way. And the right way. You know, when we are doing organic stuff, like I don't have control over what you say. I send you a product. I can send you some talking points. I can walk you through the product, explain the features, how we feel it should be marketed, uh, the benefits we think there are to the consumers. But then it's no communication until I see that video go live on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll get like a pre-screening where it's like we fact check it. And by that, I mean, like they'll show it to us and we can say like, okay, you got that spec wrong. We might need to update that. But other than that, we don't have a whole lot to say. I can't tell you,
2: no, you have to take out that line because you call this a mean word. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's Trend Alerts tool. Think Google Alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones and I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits say 500, 1000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ. So visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. Just for food and clothes for everybody listening to the uh, the
1: podcast today, Kobe worked for a brand called TCL, which I have had dealing with as a creator in my creative journey. And I can definitely vouch for how hands-off they are. They give you the product and then they just let you do what you got to do as long as you're fair and honest like you said. They have no issues and they just let creators do what creators do because that's what you are supposed to do as a brand. You are coming to the creator because you want the creator to relay what you want to relate to their audience the way the creator relays it because the creator has that relationship with the audience. The brand doesn't. The brand is trying to. So I see you pointing at me when you're like, yep. <laughs> you hit the nail no, right
0: there. Not enough people understand that. I mean, the comment section one doesn't understand the, the difference between the organic post and the sponsored post. <laughs> brands don't understand the difference between a freaking organic post and the sponsored post. And then some creators don't understand the, the difference. Like there's some young creators, some newer creators who let brands kind of take advantage of them because like you said, they want to make them happy. They want to build that relationship. But bending over backwards for someone is never the best way to do that. Even in your personal life, like if you have a partner and you're in a relationship and it's all give, no take, or I'm sorry, all take and no give, that's not good. That's not healthy. can't have that. And it's the same way with a brand. It's got to be equal. Like You get the product from us. Your audience gets that information. You get the content. We get the quote unquote access to your audience through you and your trusted voice.
1: Absolutely. And it's just so weird because we have seen over the past 10 or 15 years or so with the rise of YouTube, how marketing has vastly changed from what it used to be it used to be you throw a bunch of commercials on TV or you contact the A-list of the A-list to try to get your product marketed and then you would do that. But with the rise of influencers and creators and just how much the influencer marketing industry is moving as far as cash, product, everything... It would be crazy for brands today not to tap influencers like they have the closest relationship with audiences that any marketers have ever had in the history of marketing. So why not tap that? So I want to ask you, because you guys, I think you do an excellent job and just your being here today highlights where I'm going with this. But how do you go about integrating yourself as a brand with the communities that you are targeting? Because obviously you work for TCL, you're a tech brand. I've seen you in my live streams and different things like that. I interact with you on Twitter. You agreed to do the podcast, but what other things are you doing or TTO doing to integrate themselves with the tech community?
0: Any smart brand is always watching, always watching, always learning. The small micro creator today is the MKBHD of tomorrow. Mm. You know, like look at that top tech geek kid. Like, dude's yep. blowing up year over year. That guy's going to be massive in a couple of years. Any brands that's not, not watching him and getting in on that ground floor, like anybody with half a brain should be reaching out to that kid and getting in on the ground floor, building those relationships. So, year in, year out, you guys are just getting better and better together. It's a back scratching situation. Like I said, like you get access to us and our information and our products and, and everything in that. And that information street goes two ways. Like, just because you're not reviewing something of ours at the time doesn't mean we can't have a conversation about the products, doesn't mean we can't shoot the crap and, and talk, you know? And the most important thing is continuing to watch, continuing to listen, because people are, people are constantly evolving. We're watching traditional journalism. Traditional journalism is turning towards YouTube and turning towards content creation. You see a lot of traditional journalists building out their own personal brands of YouTube. So you guys really were on the cutting room floor of the next wave of, you know, information.
1: Yeah, like it just goes to show what I said a few minutes ago, like the marketing advertising industry is vastly changing and it is starting to move more towards influencer marketing, creative marketing and the creator economy is a big part of that. And it's amazing to see how it's changed so quickly. And you guys are definitely uh, on the ground floor that I mean, I have heard stories of how TCL takes over Las Vegas during CES week. So you guys are definitely doing big things over there. (laughs) <laughs> we, I mean, we just—I mean, shoot, at the end of the day, it's just
0: we just try to have some fun. If we can't have some fun in doing the reviews and stuff, then what's the point?
1: What is the point exactly? So, highlight everything that we just talked about, as far as advertising, moving towards more influencers these days. Oh, I was going to say something about that because this
0: is. The other catch 22 of that is like the brands are struggling to catch up right now. Mm. There's a lot of these brands. A lot of these brands are being ran by like some older people, some older generation folks, even in the comms department, C-suite marketing, all that kind of stuff. So those kind of people are not used to you guys. They are not used to the the creator economy and how that all works. So there's a sometimes a hesitation in, on the brand side it comes from the bureaucratic red tape of the upper management, just not understanding the value of creators and the value of what you do. And that's why the really smart ones build out like little media kits, almost like a professional website. They all have like little media kits like, hey, this is my average engagement rate. This is my average click through rate. Here's my average watch time. Like my favorite creators and the ones who send me those one sheets that have like all those stats. I'm like, thank you, man. Like now I don't have to do all that homework. You were just became my favorite person. I'm going to remember your name when it comes time for a campaign versus like having to do my homework and go searching out someone. Mm,
2: mm, mm, mm.
1: Wow. That is a... That is incredible because that was another perfect segue into my next question about creators that might want to work with you and given that you are are a PR and that you work with creators directly. When a creator sends you an email, what do you need in that initial email before you even consider working with them? Because I know I'm kind of a snob. If a brand reaches out to me, Kobe, there are certain things that I need in that email before I would even consider working with that brand. If I have to go out of my way to Google something or research something because the brand didn't include it in email, I'm probably going to trash it because it's not worth my time because the brand didn't consider my time enough when they sent that email out. So with you being on the brand side, what are you looking for besides maybe the media kit? What else are you looking for in that initial email when a creator reaches out to you? It depends on the basis of the email. Are you reaching out to ask for like a specific product? Because if you're
0: like, if you're reaching out to ask for a product for a review, like you're just going to cold email me and you're like, Hey, my name is Viper. I do this and I want to, I want to review yourself. Then yeah, then as much information as you can possibly give me, there's no such thing as too much. Now, granted, I will say that if your body of your email is like 50 pages long, <laughs> <laughs> I might not have enough time to, to read through that. But if you keep it like short, sweet, to the point about who you are, giving that little elevator pitch about who you are, what you do, and you know your audience and what they like, and then you hit me with those YouTube analytics, I think that's perfect. Because like you said, we're incredibly busy, just as you guys are, and if we gotta spend that extra time going the extra mile to go find something that you should have kind of already provided to begin with, it's unfortunately a little bit of a strike in the the wrong box. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with like cold emails. Like there's right ways to do it, there's wrong ways to do it, and there's there's so much nuance to it. There's some PR people who only use their social media for personal stuff. In which case I would say, don't slide into those DMs because that is a personal social media and that's going to get you uh, on the unpopular list. There's Mm. people who like LinkedIn spam. Bro, like I don't need 17 messages in a day. Calm yourself. There's people who are, we'll call it, I don't want to use the term lazy because no one's lazy, but they're not willing to go that extra mile. Like the bottom line is PR people are incredibly accessible and our emails are everywhere. So there's a lot of times where... If our emails are so incredibly public, plastered all over our website, which they usually are at the bottom of every press release, which they usually are, and you guys are managing to not find that when it's right in front of you, strike. Misspelling someone's name, big strike. Misspelling the brand name, death sentence. (laughs) You email me and it's like, hey, I wanna work with TLC. I'm like, perfect, go ask them.
1: I'm laughing, but this is stuff I see every day in my email. So I can only imagine what you see when people reach out to you. My God. And, I'm, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm
0: guilty of the same thing. I'm human. I've misspelled people's names. I've misspelled brand names before. And you know what? You got to take that L and you got to move on. <laughs> but try not to do it. But honestly, my biggest pro tip for like young creators is like PR people are incredibly accessible. Find press releases from the companies. Don't go to customer service. Don't email customer service. Don't go through the call center go to the press center every big media or every company usually has like a a media kit or a press release area on their website just go there go to the bottom find their agency find their pr person find that email and reach out to them because at the very least then you're in the right place with the right people okay versus if you reach out to customer service and it has to get routed and then it gets lost and let's be honest i don't really 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 read emails from customer service so
1: i got a personal question about that and i'm pretty sure a lot of my fellow creators can kind of jive with me on new one Let's say we go to a website or a PR site, and we just get like a general company PR, but we want to talk to a person. We want to get in contact with an actual person, not just a general email. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that we can go about finding the right person and not just the general TLC at PR or PR at TLC.com or something like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, research, right? Go on LinkedIn, find the PR people there. Uh, you can find PR people via LinkedIn. You don't have to necessarily reach out to them via LinkedIn, but you can find out who's in the communications department. Another great way of doing that is just finding the email domain. How does the company structure their emails? There's only so many ways. It's either v viper at you know io.com or it's v.viper at io.com. Like there's only so many ways you could format an email. 90% of companies use firstname.lastname at name, brand.com. So even if you don't know their exact email address, but you have someone from that company's email address, or you can find what the domain name is, and it's just a simple matter of, we'll call it assumptions to fill in the right letters and get to the right place.
1: So basically, what he's saying is that if you do your research, you won't go wrong. That's what he's saying. Do your homework. Yeah, do your homework. do your homework. I mean, that's the biggest
0: thing, because that's, that's the first step for us, too, when it comes to selecting who we want to work with and the trusted voices that we want to activate with. The first thing we do is our homework. We're in your comments section. We're reading those conversations. We're seeing how you engage with your audience. We're seeing how many, you know, what comments are strong lead comments, which ones are just advertising comments, which ones are just people yelling first. Like, how does this content creator engage with their audience? How do they engage with their audience outside of YouTube? Do they promote their YouTube videos on their other socials? On their other socials, are we seeing strong conversations there? Like it's, it's home. It's looking at everything. You got to find like the tip of the string and just trace it all the way down to see if it
1: works. I love how you just said that you are in the comments. You're in the live chat because I know for a fact, like I alluded to earlier in this podcast, you guys are definitely been in my live chat, my comment mm-hmm. sessions, different things like that, my Twitter. So I know that you are there when you say that you do your homework, you integrate yourself into our creative communities. You interact with our fans. So you guys are definitely doing your due diligence with this stuff and building these relationships. And I tell you guys all the time how important it is to build relationships. It is so critical.
0: And building relationships is just as easy as following someone on Twitter and having a casual conversation. Half the relationships we built are just like you and me. We just started following each other and just started shooting the crap on the Internet. And that's it. That's that's relationship. You don't have to go out and buy a product and give it like this glowing five-star perfect review for a brand to fall in love with you. they just have to like you and you just have to add value to what they want, just like they want to add value to what you want. If we can all add value to each other, then it's, then it's a great activation.
1: Oh, can you repeat it for the people in the back that add value? We talk about that all the time, in like you adding value to whatever conversation that you lend your thought to. If you add value, it will take you a long way. And one of the most valuable things you can do
0: sometimes is bowing out. Like that is some of the most valuable things that you could do. If you could just say like, Hey, might not be the best fit for you and me right now. Maybe we should explore this a little later. Like if you have to, if you have to pull the plug for a good reason, that is valuable. Uh, value doesn't just mean like glowing five star reviews and perfect product reviews. You can be critical of brands. You can be critical of the things you love.
1: It's okay. So you kind of covered this already, but I want to I want to see if you got any being more for this. But I had a creator ask me on Twitter, how do I build a relationship with a brand where in the future they would will be willing to work with me? Like, let's say there are new creator starting out and obviously they might not have the biggest following or different things like that. And they don't know what their value is. But how can they build a relationship with friends, with people like you? So some of that burden of
0: responsibility is on the brand like going back to how tcl integrates itself into like your audience we need to do that in a way that respects you like we can't be in your youtube comments and twitter comments like constantly promoting our brand on your audience that is inappropriate that's the brand crossing that line so if any brand people are listening please don't go into random chats and start promoting your products because that's just wrong don't do that but if you're new like all right so let's say like phones are like the biggest thing i need right? write if you're new and you want to work with one of the big guys just review phones. You're gonna get on their radar. Any comms department worth half their weight is paying attention to the new people. You're gonna be on their radar. You might not know you are on their radar, but you will be. From there, just engage with the right people. You wanna engage with maybe some of the content creators that Brian has worked with before, um, whether that be through collabs, whether that just be social media engagement. I'm not going to tell you you need to go out and buy that company's product because i don't think that's the that's one of the ways you could do it but that's not the only solution you could do what viper and i did which was just follow each other on twitter and have a nice conversation a couple times and then boom you're friends with the calm person and then it's good to go you can be introduced their friends there's there's so many avenues and there's so many ways that they can go about it reaching out to the pr people via email there really are countless ways, but in order to do it, you kind of have to take that leap of faith. You have to be that person who's willing to cold call. You have to be that person who's willing to be told no. And and it's never anything personal, like we are never saying no because we don't like you. It's just might not be the right fit. Maybe we do need a little bit more and your audience just isn't there yet. And yet being the operative word, because like you said, it's the small creator today, but it's the bigger creator tomorrow. And, you know, just an introduction, then you're on our radar then we're watching you. I mean, at the end of the day, we want you all to succeed. We want everybody to have 10 billion followers and, and 100% engagement and 100% click rate and 100% watch time. When you guys, win, we win, don't ever think that the brand wants you to fail in that regard. Like we, we want to work with you. We want to be able to get your product. The dark side of it is, unfortunately, sometimes we only have two products or one review code or very limited, very, very limited samples. Like we PR people don't have some like unlimited number of products that I can just like Pull out of thin air and drop on. No, like sometimes they're like, Oh, uh, we, w- we're launching this new product. We need you to get a hundred million views. Here's one phone. Like, what? <laughs> How do you expect me to do that with zero budget? It's impossible. But that's, it. I mean, we, we have those bridges to cross and those hurdles to uh, jump over. And you guys have all the orgs too. So I would just say, don't be afraid to engage. Networking is the most important thing. Go to the events. Shake the hands. Go have some drinks. Go have a water on the rocks with someone. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go turn up. You don't have to do anything crazy. Just get to know them and have a casual conversation. The best conversations I've had about or at CES are the people I could just sit down with and ask about their day. The people that you can just feel relaxed and comfortable with are the people you want to work with. And I imagine this the same way with you with brands. Like the brands who make you feel good and warm and cozy and who aren't too uh, controly are the ones you probably want to work with.
1: Absolutely. Definitely. So I'll give you guys a little hack that is something I did when I was first starting as it relates to reaching out to PR people and, and talking to them. So basically, what I do is I got on Twitter and I obviously I follow my fellow creators. And what I did was some of the bigger creators that I know of, I pretty much looked up and down their follower list and saw who they were following and who they were interacting with. Because not enough just to see who they're following, you got to watch and see who they're interacting with to see which of these PR people actually interact, you know, in a public form like Twitter. So I found people that were interacting with creators on Twitter and I followed them, like Colby himself. so. And that's how I got some of the PR relationships that I get just by paying attention to what's happening on Twitter and. What which one of them are actually interacting with people and I follow them and I interacted organically. That's the other thing. I just didn't try to self-promote and things like that. I would find a way to have organic conversation with these people and build these relationships that way because that's the most human thing to do. I mean, that's the way that we market stuff.
0: Like, we don't want to be in your face, buying ads, face, and all that kind of stuff. We want to market to you where you are comfortable, where the audience is comfortable, where the audience goes to enjoy things. That's why we want to activate, like, in sports arenas because you're out there with your friends relaxing, movie theaters because you're out with your friends relaxing, like video games, you're out, you're doing something where you're relaxing. We want to be where you're most comfortable. So, again, like you said, having those casual, comfortable conversations is the best way to go about it.
1: Definitely. So, I'll, I don't know how much you can answer it, but I'll ask you anyway. A lot of creators they want to get paid for their content, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question to you is: If a creator reaches out to you and they want to do sponsored content or they want to get paid, but you know maybe they're just starting out and they don't know how to maybe have that conversation. Like, in your opinion, what is the best approach for a creator who wants to do a sponsor deal with you or brands in general? So that's tough because then we and then we enter into the like
0: the you're reaching out to me to get that product and you want money. That's got to be where in that email, if you're like asking for the product and the money on the first introduction, there's got to be some value in there. We need to see the, the value. You need to come with us with an idea of how maybe how you're going to present the product. doesn't have to be like something fully fleshed out, but just like a little bit of an idea of the campaign you want to run or the style. Uh, maybe... Link to previous successful campaigns you've done with other brands to show that like, no, this is what I've done before. This is the kind of stuff I can do. Here's the value I can bring to you. And then you can start that negotiation process. Now, obviously when brands reach out to you, you obviously have that uphand uh, where you can uh, start that negotiation process a little bit sooner and a little bit better. And obviously everybody needs to get paid and everybody should get paid. Sometimes the brands don't have the budget, which is kind of the the crappy part. I would love to be able to pay every content creator I work with. I don't get the budget for it. So it's tough because how do I activate with you and sponsor one? Like, I don't want to waste your time with that email. You don't want to have your time wasted by me because I can't pay you. Those get into the really nuanced stuff. But again, it's about adding value. Like you said, if you're going to reach out and ask for money, just don't be afraid to show the value you bring. And value is relative. If you are a small creator and you have a smaller audience, maybe you're not trying to highlight your subscribers. Maybe you're trying to highlight your, your engagement rate. Maybe you're trying to show how much you and your, your audience conversate because that engagement rate is probably going to be a lot higher than it would be with a lot larger content creators. No disrespect to any large content creators, but they usually have lower engagement rates than smaller ones, just the way things scale. And if we're trying to really tap into an audience, that engagement sometimes is a lot more valuable than those impressions. So don't be afraid to leverage yourself. Don't be afraid to leverage your smaller audience. Like that small audience is incredibly Mm. valuable.
1: They listen to you. They trust you. Mm. Don't be afraid to leverage your audience and your relationship and engagement with the audience. Man, wise word, man.
0: But don't burn your audience either. Like, you got to take care of your audience. You you are serving your audience first and foremost. So, you cannot burn them. You cannot mistreat them. You cannot hammer them over the head with sponsored content. You need to nurture and care about your audience first and foremost. Don't feed the algorithm, feed the audience. The audience is the
1: algorithm. This man is not even a creator and giving y'all the thoughts on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Colby, you the man, bro. You the man. <laughs> Full disclosure, I've never built a
0: successful YouTube channel. I don't have a YouTube. I've never built one. So obviously take everything I say with a grain of salt. But been around a few years, watched enough people grow. I unfortunately, watched some people sizzle out. And you, you can see the things that do work and the things that don't. And the people who serve their audience seem to do the best.
1: Wow. It's amazing because it's something that I tell them all the time about. You have to be loyal to your audience first and foremost, because the brand is contacting you because they want to get in front of your audience. So whatever you do has to be in service of your audience. Because if it's not, then you're not doing your audience justice. And you're not really doing the brand any justice if you're not treating your audience right, because they want the favor of your audience. But that means you got to have favor with your audience before anything else. So the audience is paramount.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's a slippery slope because PR is such a small and incestuous community. We all talk, man. We all know each other. So if... Creator A and PR person A had a bad time. Well, that's some bad word of mouth for creator A going to PR person B, you know? So, yeah, everything needs to be done in service of the audience. If everybody like has the audience in mind, the content usually is a lot better. The activation is better. Everything's better. I mean, the audience is the most important thing to you as a content creator. It's what keeps the likes on and everything overhead. They have the power at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely. Before we got here, Kobe, do you have any last words to creators who are aspiring to work with brands? Don't stop, man.
0: Don't stop. We want you all to succeed. Crappy PR people don't want you to succeed. Crappy brands put you on blacklists. The good ones want you to succeed. Find the brands who want you to succeed and succeed with them. And that'll grow your brand and grow your audience. We can all win together. It doesn't have to be something crazy. And again, that goes down to knowing what's a good fit. Something is not a good fit for your audience. If you have a vegan audience, don't work with meat companies. <laughs> don't take the easy payday. Don't take the easy payday because that's going to do irreparable damage to your audience.
1: Mm. why words, you all. Wise words. Kobe, appreciate you, man. If people want to find you, um, it's best to reach out to you on Twitter or how's it best to get in contact with you? Oh, Twitter. I don't read my emails. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> Uh, I will have his Twitter information in the show notes. So if you guys want to talk to him directly, you can go to the show notes and check him out on Twitter. All my
0: socials, Colby cakes, three S's. The brand is strong. The brand is strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Colby. I appreciate That's you. the other thing. That's my one last, uh, one last trick. Get an LLC. Don't use a Gmail account. If you're gonna be a business person, if you wanna build your brand, just try if you have the means to do it, get that business domain. It goes a long way. It looks very professional and it, it feels a lot more professional than receiving an email from jeep, an email from like a Gmail account. No disrespect to anybody who has Gmail. If you're doing it, great. If you're working with brands, great. This is one of those little first impression things that can help you move the needle just a little bit sometimes.
1: Actually, that's one thing that I haven't talked much about on each podcast, but yeah. It definitely looks more professional if you have your business domain. Um, like me, I have Viper dot com. That's my email, business at And that's how brands reach out to me. And it's just like you said, look more professional and it looks like you're ready for business. And it
0: makes you look a lot bigger than what you are at the end of the day, too. Like You are
1: a business. Man. Yep. To quote Jay-Z. There you go. There you go. Kobe, man, I appreciate you making the time, sir. Thank you so, so much. Always fun chatting with you. Anytime, man. Thank you for having me. I always love talking to you. No doubt. And I appreciate you all listening to another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. For Kobe, I am Viper. I will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube
2: Talk brought
1: to you by VidIQ. Head
0: over to vidiq.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.